So what's the biggest problem with mastery competency-based learning? Well, I want to talk about that biggest problem and how to solve it. So let's start out by just saying and admitting, guys, that teaching, it's hard. Um, and you know, if you teach via mastery, it's, it's even harder. You know, imagine having different students and different levels in the same class along with like different activities, right? Some that are appropriate to each student. So like you've got like multi things happening at the same time in the same space. Like, or like another extreme differentiation. It probably seems logistically unmanageable. Or does it? Do you realize that mastery learning's been around for a very long time? In fact, you've probably experienced before. If you took the driver's test and then didn't fail, didn't pass it, then you experienced mastery. You had to go back and retake the test. You went back, you got some remediation, and then you passed the test. Your doctors had to pass the boards before they could be doctors. They had to do certain things, and if they failed, so to speak, uh, then they were able to retake the test. Otherwise, they wouldn't be your doctor. They would not be a failed doctor, so to speak. I imagine that happens, right? So. Um, mastery, I define mastery in my upcoming book as this. I said it's an approach to classroom instruction that empowers every student at every level to progress with confidence. Catch that. The teacher uses, that's you, right? Flexible pacing, flexible pacing to guide students through a cyclic process. It's a cycle of preparation and then demonstration of knowledge and feedback until there's a mutual agreement between the teacher and the individual student that the student is ready for the next cycle to begin. So since students are not in the same place in the curriculum, right, this is kind of the, the rub of mastery learning, um, managing them in different places is your biggest challenge. Or maybe I'll say it this way, the biggest challenge is what do you do with students who lag behind in their understanding? Because it's usually not such a big deal if you've got students who are moving ahead, but my experience has been that when students fall behind, that is the biggest challenge of a mastery learning classroom. Because you do have to have, as I said in the definition, a flexible pace, right? Because my experience with students that if you don't give students, some students at least, a pace, they won't have any pace. So you have to give them a pace. There's some expectation that they learn a certain number of things by a certain period of time. But then invariably you've got some students who lag behind. I have students right now who are behind. And what are, what is the solution? So let's talk about the solution to this problem. And by saying what is the solution, there isn't a solution. There are multiple solutions. You see, there's not a magic bullet uh, for students who fall behind. Um, in fact, it's a series of things that you can do that can alleviate this. There will always be students who will lag behind. But what can you do to make that the smallest number as possible so that it isn't logistically unmanageable? So let me give you a few strategies. Number one, you can differentiate objectives. So what I do, this actually by the way starts in the planning stage. So in the planning stage, I look at a list of teaching objectives. So for example, in this upcoming unit I'm teaching in my chemistry class, or actually the current unit I should say, I'm teaching in my chemistry class, I sat down and identified um, nine total lessons or learning objectives, very clear, specific things that they have to learn how to do. And I made number eight and nine, yeah, eight and nine nice to know objectives, but one through seven, they all have to master. It's critical, these seven things, that they know how to do these things or understand these principles before they can move on into the course of the year. And so that allows, so that, that allows me for those students who fall behind, if they miss lesson eight or objective eight and objective nine, they're not gonna be hurt, 
uh, in their learning. They'll be able to proceed throughout the year. So it's important. So I won't necessarily, I won't assess every student on all nine objectives. Some students might be assessed only on seven objectives. Which then leads me to a second thing and related to the first one is I actually have different assessments. So right now my students are studying for their third unit test, if you will, right? They still take the test, by the way, it's sound weird, but they're gonna all take the same test, well, it's actually varied tests, um, on the same day, it's this Thursday of this week. And the students will take this test, but they have a choice. It's a choose your own adventure. Some students will take the deep level test, I call it, and some will take the clear level test, the clear understanding. And the difference between those two tests um, is either I create different levels of complexities of mastery for the students to address or different numbers of objectives mastered. That's what's happening in this particular case. It's different levels or different uh, yeah, number of things that they have mastered. And that's how I'm differentiating this test. Sometimes the previous one, I asked deeper level questions for the students who would take the deeper test. Uh, and then at my school system, you might ask this question about grading, it's done, I grade them differently. There's a, there's a, they get extra points if they take the deep test and pass it. But again, they still have to pass it, right? So if they, on Thursday, don't, aren't successful and have not, quote, passed the test, have not achieved mastery, then they're going to have to receive remediation and then they're going to have to retake it. And that's going to happen, there's no question, I'm not going to have every student who's going to pass the test, so to speak, on this first go-ahead. That's always the case, but then I need to have, as I have, a remediation plan to help those students who don't pass so that I can get them at least to all call a clear level of understanding. And so that's super important that I have actually different levels of tests. and It really makes a huge difference. And speaking of remediation, what are my strategies? So what's a student has not achieved mastery, what do I do? I've got, I'll just, um, there's, this is a, not an exhaustive list of the things that happen in my classroom or I highlight in my upcoming book. But I say, number one, I've got to double check um, if they've done the work. So sometimes what I've discovered, I don't know if your kids read mine, I, you know, I teach at a high performing school, but some of my students don't always do their work. And so I'm going to go back and check and see if they've done the pre-work, right? So the class is not just mastery, but there's a flip piece, right? So I'm not lecturing. So the students have to watch a short video or read some text. And if they've not done the pre-work, I don't have a whole lot of sympathy for them, frankly. I'll say, dude, do the work. So you know, tip one on remediation is do the work, all right? If they haven't done the work, then I'm going to say, well, I'm glad to remediate a student. I've got a student right now who does all the work and she's an amazing young lady, and, but she's struggling with the content. So now we're gonna spend a lot more quality time um, in, um, in more small group tutorials with her and with people like herself. And speaking of that, uh, I, I find instant grouping to work really well. So I, I'm, I'm roaming around my classroom in this remediation. If I see students who are struggling with a certain concept, not just, by the way, not just if they've struggled with the summative assessment because I'm formatively assessing them all the time. And so I am trying to see who's struggling with what content. And if I see students struggling with a particular concept and I'm walking around the room with you know all my students, I'll say four of these are all kind of at the same spot. I say, boom, you're an instant group. And when they become an instant group, I say, guys, you're gonna work together. All right, let's pull this out. And it's a gradual release. I'm gonna kind of work with them on the first one and then I'm gonna walk away and I'm gonna come back 
I'm gonna, and I'm gonna see if they can do one on, on their own in a group, and then eventually they can do it on their own. So it's, it's this, it, it just seems to work, by the way, as I'm gradually releasing it to this group, and I've had really amazing results with this particular strategy, and even like, you know, social muscle stuff, the kids have become instant peer groups, even if they didn't know each other, they weren't in, you know, traveling in the same circles. It's been really powerful. Um, and then on a summative assessment, what I've actually been able to do is that since I'm delivering these summative assessments through an online platform, when the students take it and they get different tests every time they take the test, then uh, we just have a conference right over their test and we, I talk through it and I'm, I'm actually during, so I'm grading the test with them sitting over my shoulder at my computer. And it really works because now I can remediate, I can then prescribe individual tasks they need to do before they do the next uh, attempt at demonstrating mastery. So it really does work. It's, it's immediate feedback. There's a lot of research about that. So anyways, that's, that's so, so as I'm talking about how do I address the kids who fall behind? I've got to provide remediation kind of rapid so that I can get them um, not so far big, of, not, not such a big gap, I guess I'd say. And then other stuff I do, I'm going to put as a category as, you know, for students who lag behind. I categorize this as good teacher stuff, right? Yeah, I've been around the education world for a long time. Started uh, teaching in 1986. You did math, many years, more than 30 years. And as I have played this game for a long time, I've got a few tricks up my sleeve. Is that the word? Yeah, I think it is. Uh, I'd say number one, it's communication. If I've got students who are lagging behind, and particularly if they're lagging behind because they are maybe not um, utilizing their time so well. Um, my first uh, contact is with their parents. I'm going to give an email to the parents or phone call. Something. I'm going to say, hey, your student's falling behind. I'm here to help them. Uh, and usually I get a pretty good response. And you know, I, I, I've got a, a young man right now who uh, is falling behind. He's a transfer student. And so I think maybe at the previous school there wasn't as much of a rigor or whatever. And uh, he's been coming in at 7 a.m. I'm at 7 a.m. and he's there and you know I was so proud just like Friday this is the weekend um, he finally passed uh, this uh, major assessment uh, just uh, I was so proud of him it was finally you know he, he just needed that extra tutorial just coming and working with me so uh, but that was because I contacted his parents they said we'll get him there uh, we are committed to their our kid uh, and then I would also encourage you to make use of other staff members who are advocates for your students. I've got quite a few SPED students and those students need additional assistance. So what do I do? Um, I, I make sure that I am uh, <laughs> on speed dial, I have our SPED teachers or a quick email and they've been so supportive. They are an amazing uh, group of educators that really make this work. So make use of them. Another group of people that I have found very highly effective is the other critical adults in their life. This would include coaches, um, theater teachers, uh, dance uh, teachers, the people that sort of the extracurriculars the students are involved in. And I have found a simple copying of the coach or whatever um, on an email about a student who's lagging behind. And this is again, particularly those students who are lagging behind, not because of ability, but because of effort, is that they can motivate these coaches and these other uh, extracurricular type people can motivate students way better than I can. So it's been very effective, by the way. All I have to do is copy. Sometimes if I threaten to copy a coach or something, um, the this, this student changes their whole life. <laughs> they don't want extra push-ups or whatever the coaches have them do. And by far, what I would argue is the best method, if you will, good teacher stuff, 
is to build a quality relationship with your students. To know that it's not me against them, it's us against the content. And to know that I'm on their side, I believe in them as I do. I do, I believe in my students, I know that they have great, great, uh, they're, they're gifted, they're creative, they're amazing, I, I get, I've got the greatest job in the world. And if you build that relationship with your students, then they'll do whatever, I mean, if they know that you care about them, they'll do anything for you, right? I mean, and so even though sometimes I can be a little bit like a, you know, a physical trainer, you gotta do this, you, you can do this, um, or whatever, I always try to couch that, that, hey, I'm on your side. This is all about helping you to be the best version of you that you can be. So the biggest problem, right, in a flip mastery classroom, or a mastery competency-based classroom is students who lag behind. And there isn't one solution, but there's lots of solutions. Hey, I would encourage you, if you want to learn more about mastery and competency-based learning, I have written a new book. Um, I'm so pleased with how it turned out. The Mastery Learning Handbook, uh, a competency-based approach to student achievement. Uh, it's a step-by-step -step guide of how to implement uh, competency-based learning, mastery learning in your classroom. This, it could be done at a whole school, it could be done in one classroom by one teacher in one period. It just Maybe teach three different sections or, or three, three courses. You could just do mastery in just one course. Uh, so I encourage you to pick up a copy of that. Follow me, um, johnbergman.com uh, at my website or just uh, you know on Twitter at John Bergman. John is spelled J-O-N and Bergman has two N, johnbergman.com. Hey, uh, if you like this podcast, I encourage you to subscribe and say nice things about it <laughs> on whatever uh, Apple or whatever type of a podcast uh, viewer you're watching this on or listening or whatever it is. <laughs> hey, have a great day. Bye.